Yeah, no, I, anytime I have my cutting board out, I'm always like looking around, like what else can I chop? Because once it's chopped, it's so much easier to throw into something or, you know, use it versus it just wasting away. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. That voice you heard in the intro is Allison Schaff, the founder of PrepDish. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you'll know that PrepDish has been a sponsor for many years, and I have been a longtime fan. This episode is not sponsored in any way. I don't do any kind of paid guest spots or anything like that. I simply thought it would be great to have Allison on the podcast to share some of her meal planning genius, because this is an area that does not come easy to me. Cooking, meal planning, really hard for me to wrap my head around. Now, my doctoral research was in picky eating, so I'm really interested in food and feeding kids. But the actual preparation part has always really slowed me down. I'm thankful that Allison took the time today to answer my food-related questions and to help me feel a little bit more confident in the kitchen. If you want to try PrepDish out, you can go to PrepDish.com forward slash families and get two weeks free. If not, I hope you'll enjoy this episode and take away a few good tips. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Allison. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's great to have you on the show. I feel like I've been using PrepDish. It's been such a huge part of my life for so many years now that um, it's nice to, to see you and talk to you for the first time. I know. I know. It's kind of funny that I'm like, oh, I guess we've never really chatted face to face like this. So I'm excited. Yeah. And um, I was recently listening to one of your podcast episodes and I have a pretty close ear for podcasts as far as audio quality because I have edit- I edited my own for a really long time. So I was always listening for like little clicks and like knocks of the microphone. And I was listening to your podcast and I heard something in the background and I'm like, what is that? I'm like, is there construction? Like, what is that? And then you're like, oh, sorry, my chicken's laying an egg. <laughs> and I loved it. I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the fact that I know what the different noises are, but yeah, they get really excited when they lay eggs and everyone like celebrates. So <laughs> yeah, that's fun. So tell me, you live in Texas. Tell me a little bit about your life. What does it look like? Oh boy. So yeah, I live in Texas outside of Austin. We're in the country. Um, I have two little boys, a three and a half year old and almost two year old. Um, I run PrepDish, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. It's 10 years. We're celebrating 10 years this year, which is just crazy to me. Um, I know. Right. Um, and you know, live out here in the country with my husband and some goats and some chickens and cats and, you know, just kind of living life. The boys just started school two days a week. So that was kind of a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. And you're a dietitian and a personal chef. Yes. I started out working as a personal chef. I actually, that was the first business I started was a personal chef business and, um, also have a background as a dietitian. So did that for quite a few years, went into people's homes and cooked their meals for them, which 
ended up eventually translating into prep dish where I kind of help people do that for themselves in their own kitchens. Yeah. So during the day, do you consider yourself a stay at home mom or what is your, what do your daytimes look like? Oh boy. Um, it kind of, you know, day to day varies a lot kind of on the season I'm in, I guess you would say. So the past few years, you know, first there was COVID, you know, having two little ones. Um, and then my mom has had some really serious health issues this year, actually like moved in with us for a little while. And so I really, this year has been a different year than a typical one in that, you know, day to day has been a lot of focus on family. Um, and like I just mentioned, you know, having prep dish for 10 years, it's at a really cool spot where, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not working 40 hours a week. I have an amazing team. Most of them have been with me for at least a few years and um, love what we do there. And it's just nice that it gives me the flexibility to kind of shift and change as this, as the seasons change, you know, and having, like I said, with the, the little kids, my mom's health issue, issues this year has just been quite a, quite a bit different than years past, <laughs> you know, like yeah. when I first started out as a mother, it was just me. I wasn't even, you know, married when I first started. So it was like all work all the time. And it's funny how things shift and change, but in a really beautiful way. Yeah. So you, when you started prep dish, was it geared towards the fa- towards families, even though you didn't have kids yet? It really was. And I, it's funny, I did prep dish like for, you know, myself and like, you know, and obviously like creating the recipes, but as I, you know, started a family and had kids, it's like prep dish has become this thing of like, oh yeah, it's good if I do the meal prep and have these meals here. And now it's like, I've created this thing that my family really relies on week to week and we have to use. And it's really given me um, a better perspective of like how people use it in their lives. And I kind of understand my customer in a whole new way because I've really become it. I'm like, wow, I created this thing that now I can use. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you never knew how much you needed it. I know, exactly. (laughs) I remember, so I've had Megan Lyons, um, who's a health coach who I adore. I've had her on the podcast a couple of times. And um, I remember many years ago, before I found PrepDish, I um, would watch her on Instagram. She would do this beautiful meal prep every Sunday. And she doesn't have kids. And I always kind of thought to myself in my um, judgy way, like, oh, it must be nice to have so much time to do this, um, to prep these beautiful meals for the week. And I definitely was jealous, for sure jealous, to see that she was on it. And Sundays came around and she was ready for the week. Um, but I also kind of felt like I would have no idea where to start if I wanted to do that. So, you know, when you came to me and said, Hey, do you want to have prep dish as a sponsor? I was like, well, I need to try it. I don't think this is going to work for me because like meal planning just doesn't work for me. I don't like meal planning and I certainly don't like meal prepping. Um, so I went into it as a skeptic and I mean, it's been, I don't know, maybe four years and I'm a total convert. Yeah. No, I always say you kind of have to give it a few weeks of figuring it out, how to like fit it into your schedule. The first week's never, I mean, maybe it's the best week. You're like, oh, I did it, but it's not the easiest week. That's for sure. You kind of got to like figure out your footing and and what, how it's going to work for you, right? Like it has to work for you. And even for me, that's changed kind of different years on how I actually use the meal plans and how I implement them in my life. 
Yeah. And I have, I mean, it's not that we do it every single week. We do it most weeks, but then there are absolutely other weeks where we eat macaroni and cheese. Um, so not, not homemade macaroni and cheese <laughs> for what it's worth, <laughs> but that consistency, um, I mean, I know that's something that a lot of people struggled with. And part of the reason I begged you for more super fast meals, um, were there other people begging for more super fast prep menu options too? Yes, there were a few people that that was like high on their priority list. Um, you know, and even the super fast that started years ago, I was on a podcast. I can't even remember the name. It was a fitness guy. And he really challenged me because I was like, well, you know, the meal prep takes between two to three hours. And he's like, no one's going to do it. And I mean, at this point, I, you know, I'm hmm. pretty confident in the, in the plans and I know people were actually using them, but I was like, you'd have a point, like, could I make it faster? And so I really took that as a challenge and I took it back and I thought, well, could I create a plan that would be one hour? And so we kind of started with that of like, oh, we'll do I did it, you know, just for a one-off. And then we're like, well, let's do one each month for those weeks when we're really busy. And then it's like, well, people really like it. And most weeks are those weeks, you know? So we put our heads together and yeah. figured out how to really come up with the, you know, what we call super fast plans now that are an hour of prep that are just, and I mean, I find myself definitely leaning on those more than anything. Right. Yeah. And for anyone that's not familiar, if you haven't heard me talk about it, it really, it's a PDF that comes to your inbox once a week. And then you get the grocery list, the prep day list, and then the meal plan list. And um, yeah, I feel like that having that breakdown was a game changer for us because I didn't know how to prep some of the stuff in advance or it took too much mental bandwidth for me to figure out, oh, like, well, this has rice. I could make that in advance. And this has a sauce. I could make that in advance. That part just was too much for me and I could never execute it, which I'm glad that that you were able to do that for me. Is that, I feel like, does that take a lot of mental space for you when you're creating you know, these plans? Not really, because because of that work as a person, when I was doing the personal chef work, I was visiting clients once a week. So that's how my mind was already looking at preparing meals. Like I was looking at it of like, I went into a client's kitchen and I'm like, okay, I've got to start with a spaghetti squash. So that's baked and ready by the time I'm through at this house. And I want to put all the vegetables on the cutting board and chop them all at once. And if I'm already making, you know, this marinade, can I use it again? And so I was already looking at my food prep that way, just because of the work I was doing for the clients and trying to be as efficient as possible. So for me, that's how I looked at it. But I realized when people start prep dish, like that's not you know, how we're, most people look at meal preparing food and no, um, yeah. So it's, it is this like mindset shift that you kind of have to, and people will say this so many times on the Facebook group, which is a great group by the way. And, you know, someone's just starting and it's fun to watch people cheering them on, but they're always like, trust the process in the beginning. It doesn't make sense, you know, intuitively to you, but just follow it step by step and you'll get it eventually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and I know I've said this a million times in the ad reads, but I it really has decreased my mental load so much. Um I mean, I don't at all go searching for random recipes, random one-off recipes anymore, and I just really rely on it because it's always there. It's waiting for me to print off, mm -hmm. to order my groceries, and um and that really for me is the first step in doing meal prep is getting the groceries into my house. And once I can get the groceries into my house, usually I can execute yeah. doing 
the prep, but that I feel like that is a barrier. And if I don't, um, if I don't get that in on time on a Saturday and have it there for Sunday, then, then usually we're yeah. eating mac and cheese. No, that's week. really interesting. And that's something I, I ask a lot about of like, okay, what is the like kind of key, key habit or key step there that's going to ensure that this happens every week. And that's one we've heard is like either ordering the groceries or printing the grocery list or something like that is like that one thing. If I do that, the rest of it just ha- happens, you know? Yeah. And I did a procrastination episode a few months ago. And one of the things we talked about in that is thinking of your future self. Sunday, Danae does not really want a meal prep, but then I'm like, if Sunday, Danae pauses and thinks about Thursday, Danae, like what would Thursday, Danae like? And it's to have the meals half prepped already, to have half of that all done. And that has really helped me to be able to kind of think to the future of what I'm going to want the next day or two days from now and how that's going to be able to support me. Yeah. And in the moment, like of after you've created that meal, like taking a moment to pause and like thanking your past self being like, Oh, thank you so much for prepping me and like getting me set up. This made, you know, tonight's dinner so much easier. Cause then when you like, Oh, really enjoy that moment. Then the next time it comes around, you're like, Oh, I want to feel that moment again. So I'm going to do this thing because to have the the better feeling later and just being able to kind of like see the feel there. Right. Kind of recalling that feeling of, you know, how good did it feel Mm -hmm. to have things already prepped and already ready. And I've actually started also prepping just random cut vegetables and my kids' snacks that go with them to school too. So when I'm doing prep dish, I'll also chop up a bunch of red and yellow peppers and strawberries and having pre-cut veggies and fruits that really helps us to shift towards those and away from cliff bars and Z bars, which my kids usually want to grab more easily. Yeah, no, I, anytime I have my cutting board out, I'm always like looking around, like what else can I chop? Because once it's chopped, it's so much easier to throw into something or, you know, use it versus it just wasting away. Right. See, that seems obvious too, but that took me a really long time to learn, right? That once you have the cutting board out, what else can you chop and make life a little bit easier? Because, you know, prior to that mindset, I was getting the cutting board out like three or four times a day and cutting and washing and cutting and washing or, you know, just cutting like three strawberries and washing the cutting board and then two hours later cutting four more strawberries. And you're right. The less that we can do the dishes really, I think, takes takes a lot off the load of, of anyone who is trying to feed a family. We're going to pause quickly for a two-minute word from today's sponsors. The first sponsor for today is Cozy Earth. My partner and I have absolutely enjoyed our Cozy Earth sheets, and now they're making comfy loungewear, which personally I couldn't be more excited to try out. If we've learned anything these past few years, it's the importance of being comfortable at home, especially when it comes to good loungewear and pajamas. Cozy Earth has developed and crafted high-quality goods responsibly with sustainably sourced materials from the earth. Their women's loungewear is crafted from the same breathable and luxurious materials as their bedding. So optimal comfort with a flattering, elegant fit. It's no surprise to why they've been featured on Oprah's favorite lists for four years in a row. So check it out. Tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, joggers, even scrunchies. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for Simple Families listeners. You can get 35% off site-wide with the code SIMPLE. Go to CozyEarth.com and use SIMPLE for 30% off site-wide. Try it out. I know you're going to love Cozy Earth. 
The second sponsor for today is KiwiCo. What we learn at a young age sticks with us through adulthood. That's why fostering a lifelong love of learning for our children is so important. Why not make learning fun? We love KiwiCo in our house. The arrival of those green boxes is always a highlight, not just for the kids, but for the grownups too. Having things that kids and adults can do together that's equally engaging for all of us is so important. We recently gifted the coding and robot box to a friend at a birthday party. And from what I'm told, they quickly got on board and joined the KiwiCo subscription fan club. I'm kidding, there's not really a fan club, but there should be. Spark the love of learning today with a KiwiCo subscription. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code SIMPLE at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code SIMPLE. Do your part to encourage children to be innovators and creative thinkers, and you're not going to believe what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. Back to today's episode. Allison, what do you think about the rising costs in groceries and any advice for families who are trying to save money? Yeah, I mean, that's something we at Preptish talk about a lot. We try and kind of keep our, our finger on the pulse as much as possible. Um, you know, we've seen one, it actually varies quite a bit from different parts of the country, like what foods, either food cost or even um, I know in some parts of the country, we have one subscriber specifically that always has trouble, I think in Wyoming or Montana, just like even sourcing different foods. So, you know, we're always interested in that. And, um, you know, the main thing we try and do is just be flexible on substitutions. Uh, and that's something just in general with getting any sort of recipe or meal prep, whether it's prep dish or, you know, anything that you're doing in the kitchen is if you can be flexible, it's going to help your skills in the kitchen in terms of making food your family enjoys, but also like foods that are budget friendly, like being able to say, oh, well, this week, um, you know, it's calling for salmon, but, you know, the cod is a lot cheaper this week and being able to kind of make those swaps in real time is really helpful. Um, and, you know, of course, something we're doing is like, okay, you know, beef is going up really high. So, in, you know, if we have a steak on the menu, we always have a substitution. So we're really aware of those items that are higher cost and just subbing. Um, like with ground meats too, like a lot of times right now, the ground turkey is cheaper than ground beef. You can usually always make a sub there um, pretty easily. Um, sometimes you just need to add a little extra, you know, fat to the recipe to make up for the, the leanness. Um, and, you know, doing things like, you know, vegetarian swaps, like beans are always a great thing to like kind of fill in and like remove some meat and add in some beans. Um, you know, and a lot of that too, though, depends on on the preference of the family and um, yeah, everyone's different on <laughs> what they're willing to spend budget wise. But yeah, it's, it's something we keep an eye on and um, it's hard to, to really predict at this point, I think. Yeah, the substitution piece is interesting because I feel like um, my husband, when he's cooking, he's very rigid about following the recipe to the tea. And I'll be honest, usually it tastes better and it comes out better when you do that. But I am definitely one to just kind of like guesstimate on spices and, and liquids and things like that. And it's very different styles for the between the two of us. Um, but I have started substituting more. Don't tell him. He doesn't know. <laughs> but like, for example, I made a soup this week and I used sweet potatoes instead of carrots mm -hmm. um, because I didn't have enough carrots. So I just added in extra sweet potatoes and it seems to have worked. Like what are, are there any other substitutions you feel like are really easy and kind of harmless to a recipe? 
<laughs> well, you know, it depends on who you're asking. When you're asking me, I, <laughs> I sub so freely that, you know, and I will say when you're cooking, it's, you know, different than baking, but I, it usually can always work out. Um, I, I, I feel like, um, baking is another story because that is more of a science. And, um, so if you're making some muffins or cookies and things like that, you know, it's a little riskier, but if you're doing something that's like a sauteed dish or, you know, like a soup or something like that, like those are just so forgiving. And so that's where I'm always like, and we try and sometimes, you know, like instead of calling for like one cup of onion, I always call for half an onion because sometimes one cup of an onion is three quarters of an onion. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. one and a half onions. And I don't want people to then like have this little bit of onion that they don't use. So to me, yeah. and this is actually, this can really help with food costs too, is like, I'm always trying to like use what I have and be efficient with the groceries that I do have so that I'm not left with these little bits and pieces that go unused. And yeah, I think, I think recipes are a lot more flexible than a lot of people um, think. So I would encourage people to just go for it and, and try and, you know, kind of make some subs here and there and see how it goes. And as you get more comfortable in the kitchen, I, I feel like it kind of... I feel like it gets easier to do, but I also know sometimes it's a personality thing. You know, I know some people yeah. just have to follow the recipe and then there's people like me that I'm yeah. like, I'm following I it. think there's a confidence thing too, for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. just feeling like you have that experience that you've done it enough that you know that it's like, you're not going to ruin the whole recipe by like swapping the rice and the quinoa. And, um, I actually just did that. I swapped rice for quinoa, quinoa and something. And I mean, it, it becomes a very different recipe, but it's still like fresh, healthy food for your family. So at what point, I guess, do you have to just call it that rather than being upset that you made, you know, cheesy rice instead of cheesy quinoa? Yeah, no, I think a lot of times you can, a lot of times I say go for it. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to prepping snacks for your kids, what do your kids snack on? Oh boy. Um, so in the morning we usually do fruit and then in the afternoon is usually a vegetable. So that's kind of like how I separate out of like, okay, you get the fruit in the morning, the veggie in the afternoon. Um, they love to get into little ruts, but I find if I buy like apples, like they will eat apples all day long, but um, basically when I look at the week, I kind of try and make sure that I have four or five different fruits that I buy each week. And when I look at the grocery list, I, um, try and do like something, maybe if I haven't done kiwi in a while, I'm like, oh, let me add in kiwi. Like I'll keep in the staples that they like, but I'll add in things like, um, even like grapefruit. And that's where with kids, I say, don't have this preconceived, like, oh yeah, they're probably not going to like grapefruit. Just buy it and see. And like, you know, my three and a half year old sat there and ate an entire grapefruit you know, yesterday. So, um, I think one of the most important parts is just like prep it and, you know, be confident they're going to, you know, if they don't like it, they don't like it. And I always say, if you don't like it, you don't have to try it or you don't have to eat it, but you know, it's there. So you can decide if you eat it or not, but, um, you know, I just try and keep up the variety. And honestly, I'm pretty simple though, in terms of what I <laughs> do, I'm not doing like, crazy from scratch dishes or anything for snacks. <laughs> so heart-shaped apples or. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, no. Um, yeah. Well, on, you know, we have um, an au pair that's here. So I kind of plan like, here's what you need to prepare for them. But, um, you know, I'm not in, the, in there actually preparing every snack. It's like I'm providing the foods and then it gets kind of handed off. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any tips for partnering with a child care provider or a partner even on food prep? Yeah. So 
um, you know, having that plan for the week is really good. And even just having a whiteboard, like a dry erase board. And this is something I've said, I think before. And then last year I actually bought one and it was so nice to have, because even if I have a prep dish plan, you can print them out. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, this night, you know, I always have planned out which nights to do things. And with the whiteboard, I can write out, you know, which meals on which nights. And it just helps because then that way, if someone gets in the kitchen first, if someone like runs long on a call, whoever's in the kitchen kind of knows, oh, here's what's planned. Um, that makes things a lot easier in terms of, I mean, communication, because you don't have to necessarily, it's already communicated, written out. So um, I found that like the whiteboard really helps and those are like five or 10 bucks on Amazon. So if you don't have someplace yeah. out what you're having and on what nights, um, I recommend getting something like that for sure. I like that because I usually just hang the the prep dish um, paper inside my cabinets. And then there's nights like last night, like last night kind of went off the rails and I didn't cook as I was planning to on the schedule. And now I like, it's all kind of thrown off. So, if, but if I had a whiteboard, I could just erase and, and pivot and move things around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Um, so what about buying in bulk? What do you buy in bulk? And did you go crazy buying in bulk during the pandemic? So I actually used to always avoid buying in bulk. I don't know. Was, my husband likes to like have a lot of everything. And I'm one of those who I don't like to have a lot of anything. So it took me a while, but he has kind of got me a little more on his side in terms of um, buying in bulk. Um, especially I think just having, you know, like I said, we do live in the country, the nearest grocery store is 25 minutes away. Um, so I got my first like Costco membership like a year or two ago and have really figured out sort of a system that works for us in terms of buying in bulk there. And I do like to buy in bulk, um, especially for things like, you know, big bag of rice, because, you know, when I'm looking at an easy, we have a rice cooker. If I'm like trying to do a meal that I don't have anything planned, rice is always kind of like a go-to, you know, carb or starch that can be done pretty easily. Um, and then meats, I definitely like, that's a, um, way that you can get meats. We talked about budget earlier and, you know, buying meats either in bulk or I know some people you can buy like a quarter cow or something like that, but trying to kind of plan meats in advance is a good way to save money. So I always try and, um, even if that's like, you know, ordering through a butcher box or, but something that's kind of like not just going to the grocery store and buying them, um, is a way to get not only like better quality, but also can save some money. But do they taste better when they're fresh? Like chicken, for example, once you freeze it, is it more dry when you Not cook that it? I notice. No, I feel like I'm imagining um, that then. And it, you know, it could like especially fish for sure. Um, but I mean, I'm in Texas, so I'm kind of just like out of luck when it comes to the seafood department. Um, You're used yeah. to it. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, what right. you get at the grocery store isn't always. Sometimes it has been frozen, <laughs> so. My chicken is always dry and I just have my like magic solution, which is I have a really good salsa that I pour over it Nice. <laughs> whenever I overcook my chicken. Why am I overcooking my chicken? Can you solve that problem for me? Well, one, I would say, are you doing breasts or thighs? Breasts. Yeah. See, I think he yeah, used to do more thighs and dark meat because it definitely is not as dry. And oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do a lot more dark meat on chicken because I mean, breast is just really hard to get it at the right temperature and overcook it. Whereas thighs are a lot more forgiving. So. 
Oh, that's a good tip. So what if I cut the breast in half and made it thinner? Do you think that's a little bit better or does it make a difference? Um, yeah, it can help a little bit. Um, or even just like if you do it thin and kind of like sear it on either side, I feel like that texture is a little better than just like a thick, you know, breast that can dry out a little bit. But um, I mean, I will, okay. you know, breasts are tricky and I don't know if you ever do a whole chicken. So sometimes I get in the habit of once a week, we'll roast a whole chicken with some veggies on the side, like some potatoes and carrots. Um, and I like doing that. And I feel like that because it's got the skin and the whole chicken, it always comes out a lot more moist. And then, um, sometimes I'll even do two of those. And then I can kind of have that leftover chicken to add into meals throughout the week and mm. um, can make some broth with the bones. So I'm a big fan of a whole chicken. And I think that's something a lot of people, get intimidated by, but to me, a whole chicken really, um, makes a lot of sense. And once you kind of have your method for doing it, it's actually quite easy. So. so I haven't done one in a long time, but I did kind of get into a phase where I did them yep. and even putting them in the instant pot. Sometimes I guess my worry is I just don't know how to know when it's cooked all the way through. Yeah. And I will say I went through a phase, especially because some of my whole chickens will be frozen. And if they're not defrosted all the way, I I have had multiple times where it's like dinner time, the chicken's not done because it was I was not as depressive <laughs> as I thought it was. And we're like waiting, you know, yeah. an extra 45. I mean, it just like feels like it goes on and on. <laughs> so, um, you know, making sure right. it's fully defrosted. And then I always just like kind of give it an extra 30 minutes to what I think it's going to be. So that way, if it is like, if it does take longer than what I predicted, um, you know, I have, I still have time to like get it done in time for dinner. Um, of course, using a Diza meat thermometer. I had one, but it's broken, so I should probably get another one. Yeah, I, to ease my anxiety. Get a few like meat thermometers. Um, the electric ones are great. Um, I don't even know like the brand or anything, but my husband found a really good one. And um, for chicken, especially, I find it's good to just use a thermometer, so then you can take it out as soon as it's done, and you're not left guessing. Talk to me a little bit about bowls. You've seemed to become a fan of bowls in your recipes lately. Tell me, how do you decide what to put together in a bowl? Um, yeah, so it is um, a combination. And I will say, like, I am not a head of recipe developer anymore. So I do have a team behind me that's like doing this. So I'm not going to take full credit for it. But I know that okay. when they're doing this, so I don't want to act like I'm speaking like they're not helping. But um, you know, when Mary and Kaylee are doing this as well, it's like, you know, the combination, like definitely flavor combination, but also like textures and getting in, you know, something that's crunchy, um, and having a sauce that kind of brings it all together. And this is something that I find, especially for lunches, just if I can always have some sort of sauce on hand, it kind of, for me, brings it all together and adds like a really nice flavor. Um, but bowls, I think we started with them because they became trendy. Like, I don't know if it was more in restaurants or on Instagram or all of the above, but we started doing them and just really kind of latched onto it because they're nice for multiple reasons. One, you can add a lot of, like I said, the flavors and the textures, but for families, it's great because it's kind of that concept of you can pick and choose what goes in there. And so if there's someone that really doesn't like sauteed mushrooms, well, they can just like not add it to their bowl and it's not like they're left like with this dish, like picking them, picking them out. So, um, yeah, I think that they're yeah. really flexible or you could even say like, Oh, I'm just like not going to add this component to the bowl. Cause we don't want that item. 
Yeah. It's, I find it super flexible for my kids. Um, I have one kid that likes to eat theirs kind of separated and the other one that likes to stir everything up. So I just give it to them both and they can kind of do their thing with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like, so like a veggie, a protein, something crunchy, a, a carb, the kind of like the general yeah. and a sauce, a good sauce. Yeah. And then maybe like a nut or a seed to kind of put some crunch on top or like if I always find like a fresh herb, like fresh herbs are really nice to just really add some flavor and freshness. And I think that's a lot of times when people go to a restaurant, what they're impressed by is like, Ooh, the like fresh chopped cilantro or the, the fresh chopped basil, like sprinkled on top really makes a big difference and makes it feel so different from what you do at home. Because a lot of times people at home aren't thinking to add fresh herbs to dishes, but flavor wise, they really make a huge difference. How often do you do dessert at home? Honestly, not that often. I am a, I love dark chocolate. <laughs> so I'm like, to me, like a square or two of dark chocolate is really what I crave more than anything. Um, and I mean, my kids have desserts, but it's also something like, you know, if we go out, sometimes we'll have, or, you know, on vacation and stuff, um, we'll certainly do them and they'll help me like make things, especially like my, um, three and a half year old loves whenever there's a birthday, he knows he's going to like help me make cupcakes and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, and I I do also think though, for kids, like sugar can be a little tricky. (laughs) Like I have noticed, um, with one of mine that they're a little more like once they have some, they really want a lot and it's kind of like this whole, and you know, the, the, the tantrums seem to be a little different. And so, um, you know, it's definitely not something we're like, Oh, never, ever. But, um, I've heard actually mixed things about the research that there's research in recent years. And when I say recent, like five to 10 years, maybe that shows that sugar actually doesn't cause behavior change in kids, which I don't know that's research specifically, but I am, I should, I should dig into it a little more. I'm curious. Yeah, I've never looked really deep into that. I mean, it's kind of been this, like, you know, everyone's kind of always thought that and yeah, I don't know. I mean, in my household, like I said, I seem to notice it and I don't know if it's the sugar. I, I don't know, but, um, right. Well, and being an observer of your own kid, right. And, you know, knowing how your kid is impacted because statistically speaking, maybe the majority aren't. Yeah. And then the other one, totally fine. Like he'll have, he licks off a few licks of frosting and then he like throws it and like, doesn't want any more, you know? So yeah. You know, just kind of, I think sometimes different people, and I mean, you see that in adults too, right? Some people are more sensitive to it and others, you know, can have a few bites and they're fine and others it's like more, more, more. Yeah. 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 You are, um, of the ages with your kids are kind of in the throes of the picky eating stage. It really peaks at like two and a half. Um, so my doctoral research was on picky eating, so I'm super interested in it. And I know it's something that you talk about too. Um, so tell me about your kids. Are they, are they picky? So they are not, um, you know, we did, and I know you can still, you know, each kid's going to be different and they're definitely different. Um, they both did baby led weaning. I've always been of the like, okay, everything we're eating, they're eating. Um, I'll give them spicy food. The older ones still doesn't really like spicy. So I'm definitely aware of that. Um, and I'll mention to him if something's spicy, the younger one actually will eat spicy foods. Um, they, you know, the three and a half year old still kind of is going through the phase of like, he wants to have an opinion more than anything. And so that's what I notice with him is he's always like, oh, I don't like that. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you don't have to eat it. 
And every time I say that, it's almost like I can set a timer and within five minutes, he's going to be like, so mommy, can I have that? And he like wants to try it after I've told him he can't. So with him, it feels like it's more like he wants to be able to have an opinion and state it and have Mm -hmm. me respect that. And then once I do, he kind of then comes around and like, oh, actually, maybe I will try that. You know, that happens with salad a lot. He's like, I don't like salad. I'm like, okay, don't eat it. And, um, you know, half the time he doesn't, but half the time he does. So I just you know, it's always there. And if he wants it, he can eat it. And, um, but yeah, they both have just grown up eating everything. We don't really have kids foods. We've never really done that. So they don't really know what that even looks like or know to ask for anything, but what we're having. So, um, I will say like in the early years, there are sometimes where like, if I have a dish where everything's mixed together, like, um, I mean, we had the pizza soup last night and they both had that, but I try and have like another item. So that way it's like, sometimes it's a little intimidating to have like foods mixed together when they're young. So I try and have Mm -hmm. the option of like, not just like one thing that's all mixed together because it may take them a little while to warm up to that item. But, um, if you look back thousands of years ago, when kids were more independent, kind of wandering around in the forest, they were able to, by having one food in isolation, they were able to eat it and know what is safe. Versus when things are mixed up, you don't exactly know what you're eating and it's harder to know what's going to make you sick, what's not going to make you sick. Um, so it was kind of formed as a protective mechanism that has now sort of deemed itself useless. But yeah. it is something that we as parents kind of play into by buying, and I and I hate to rail on the beautiful kids' plates that are sectioned apart, yeah. but I, I mean, I do think that in many ways we're kind of reducing exposure by separating our kids' kids' foods into those different sections on the plate so they don't touch. Um, I mean, I know some kids prefer that, but if we do that on our own choosing, are we kind of playing into that old evolutionary um, obstacle that we want to avoid? Yeah. And I was very big, like early on, just always like throwing little sprinkles of like green things, like herbs and stuff like that. So that way it's just something they always saw. Cause I mean, I've no, with kids that can be alarming, like, oh, there's something green on my food. And, you know, if they're not used to that, that's really hard to then later on be like, you know, kind of, I feel like it's easy yeah. to do it from the beginning. Yeah. I was also very hardcore on the green at every meal, like throw something green into everything. So they see it everywhere. So they don't become averse to it. Yeah. It has been moderately successful. <laughs> I'll say my eight-year-old um, who was my unfortunate guinea pig um, because I was doing my dissertation when he was born. I was starting my dissertation when he was born and the whole writing process, he was um, a, a young toddler. And there aren't very many things in parenthood that I'm like, oh, I did that and like take full credit for it all. Yeah. But I really think that, you know, I did a lot of things right when he was in those early years. And I think it made a difference because he's a really incredible eater. Um, my daughter being the second, I was busier and I just didn't have the bandwidth and I wasn't as intentional. I was, which is totally normal and okay. And she's a pretty good eater, but I mean, it's not as good as him. Who knows? Maybe I'm like, maybe this is nothing, but it does seem like I was really careful and intentional with him and it it worked out. And then with her, I kind of, kind of went by the wayside a little bit and she's a little pickier, but they're both super healthy. So that's what matters, whether or not they're eating every green thing in front of them. Yeah, no, I think a lot of it too is just not being (laughs) you as a parent, you know, you can figure out what you're going to offer, but at the end of the day, like they're also going to do just fine, you know, usually on their own. And I think being less attached to what they're choosing is um, usually serves us pretty well. Yeah. And sometimes we kind of accidentally 
narrow their foods. You know, like I was talking to a mom recently and she's like, my son only likes strawberry popsicles. He will not eat any other popsicles. And I kind of wanted to ask her, I was like, well, do you buy any other kind of popsicles or we only buy strawberry popsicles because that's all he'll eat, right? So when we think our kids only like these things, then we kind of stop buying the other stuff and exposing them to it. And then that sort of it naturally kind of whittles its way down to less and less and those stronger and stronger preferences. Yeah. I mean, like I said, with mine, I've noticed they'll say they don't like things, but if I just kind of keep with it, there's never been an item that I think they've just like adamantly like never eaten, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that with my kids too, if you were to ask me like what they don't like, I really wouldn't be able to definitively tell you what they don't like. Cause I have no idea because they like some days I'll serve them burgers and my, my daughter will eat the bun and not the burger. And other days she'll eat the burger and not the bun. And, well, you know, I just, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but it does change so dramatically that I feel really strongly about, about not declaring like, Oh, you don't, you don't like this, or I don't think you'll like this because I have absolutely no clue. You know, even when I was a personal chef, like I would go into client meetings and I would say, okay, what's an item you never want to see on your menus? And we go through the whole list, but I would always push back and I'd be like, you know, you may say you don't like Brussels sprouts, but I would challenge you that maybe you just don't like the way they've been prepared in the past. Um, So be open Mm -hmm. to like, you know, would you be open to me including this, you know, in a different preparation? And, um, you know, I think sometimes people get an idea they don't like it just based on one preparation method. Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll rephrase when my kids say that if they will, if they declare they don't like something, I don't like this, then I'll be like, oh, it sounds like it's not your favorite. Right. Cause there's a big difference between not liking something and something not being your absolute favorite. There's that, that gray area in the middle and kids are not good at recognizing that gray area that like, I can eat things that are just okay. I can eat things that are not my favorites. So I think expanding their vocabulary a little bit can help too. That's a really good way to word it. Yeah. I always be careful to like repeat it. And then it's like all of a sudden now it's mm-hmm. a belief that you just like help them form that maybe they were just kind of testing out for the diet, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Or maybe even if it was like a week where they had this, the same demand and then you've declared this is like forever. They don't like, you know, mango popsicles anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I do think that, um, we have our words are really powerful in forming. I mean, I think there's definitely, we know there's genetic tendencies, but our words are also really powerful in forming those. Oh man. I have had to watch what I say, just having kids and especially at the meals, like I'm just a lot more aware of what comes out of my mouth than I ever was. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And I do think, I don't know if you see this too, but I think that our generation of, of parents is really attached to feeding healthy food, which is a great thing. Um, but I do think sometimes we over-identify with like, if my kid doesn't eat well, I'm not a good parent, or this kind of defines me as a parent. If I have a kid that eats like crap, then I'm a crappy parent. And uh, do you see that? Yeah, I do. And I mean, I even have to like catch myself of being like, okay, like, you know, tonight he's just going to eat white rice and and that's all. And, and that's okay. And that doesn't have any reflection on me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially when we go out to eat, cause we go out to eat. I mean, my kids are great eaters, but we go out to eat. If there's French fries there, they're probably not going to touch anything else and just have the French fries. Cause those French fries are really tasty. You know, I, I might do the same thing if I didn't have any other right. <laughs> knowledge about nutrition. I'd be like, well, this is what tastes good. I'm just going to have that for dinner. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think in general, like parents just, you know, having a little more, more grace and realizing a lot of it's just part of the the process and the growth and development. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, with that French fry example, when we're not really attached to the outcome and we're not 
kind of defining our success as the outcome, which I guess goes against what I just said, which was like, I'm responsible for my son's good eating. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think I gave that example because it was an extreme example, right? I was a picky eating researcher who had this kid under my microscope. I was doing absolutely everything right. And then my second kid came along and I couldn't execute it because it just wasn't realistic. And I guess that's like where I want to go with that story is like, yes, like if like you have this microscope and you can execute in in this way, like, yeah, you can have a role. But um, most of us are not going to be able to do that or nor do that. And that's okay. And our kids are going to turn out just fine. Yeah. It is hard with so much so much information out there on on feeding a family well, and um, I think that has is one of the reasons I'm so grateful for Preptish is because you have completely removed Pinterest from my life. <laughs> no more looking for recipes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, it's it's really overwhelming and kind of unhealthy in a way that when you know as parents we're, we're we see this kind of barrage of of beautiful gourmet meals that we can choose from to prepare for our family. And it's, it rarely turns out looking like that. Like visually it doesn't even look like that, but also it doesn't need to be fancy. And I kind of appreciate that prep dish that you don't have pictures of what it's supposed to look like. Um, Cause it lowers the bar for me. Have you ever thought about adding pictures? People request that a lot. And, you know, we've added more and more to where we do have some that we'll like post on Instagram each week, but I've just done the math on that. And like the, I don't do our food photography. And so food photography is so expensive. And now that we have so many different plans, like the budget to do that, I just don't think there would be a return on it, unfortunately, because I know, again, we have people that request that because they're like, oh, I want to see what it's supposed to look like. And now what we do is when we do a new recipe, um, the developer also takes the photo. So she does do, so any of our new recipes, we do have photos. But the the PDF you send out every week, there's never photos on that. No. And I know I've seen some meal plans do that. I guess I hesitate on that. And I, I guess maybe people could just not print them, but I print them each week and I just really like only having what's like really essential. And I don't know, to me, that just seems like something that could overwhelm people in some yeah. way. I don't know. Yeah, I am totally with you. And I actually am the person who doesn't want the pictures because I don't know want to know what it's supposed to look like because it's just going to look like however it looks. And I don't want to be comparing mine to the the idealized version. Yeah. No, and I just, I don't know. I like the PDFs, like the super fast. It's like three pages and that's it. And I'm like, right. I don't want to add any more pages. I want it to be very like, yes. this is all. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I love that. All right. Well, it was so good talking with you today, Allison. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's good to finally sit down and like I said, see your face and have a conversation. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want the links to the things that Allison and I talked about today, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 324. And if you want to try out Preptish, you can get two weeks free at preptish.com forward slash families. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm glad you're here.